Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. I'm so glad you could join us on Healthy Children, where our experts are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm Melanie Cole, and if you're a parent like me right now, especially with teenagers that are so used to going out, there's the question every single day, can I go hang out with this person? Can I go take a drive and just go through Starbucks? Can I have some people over, oh, well, the weather's bad, can we at least hang out in masks in the basement if we stay far from each other? These are the questions that every parent I know of teenagers right now is going through. Joining us today to tell us what to do about this is Dr. Margaret Steger. She's the director of the Division of Adolescent Medicine at Metro Health Medical Center and a spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics. So Dr. Steger, big question number one. I mean, this is really affecting our kids hard. Me, I don't care. I'm, uh, I'm happy to stay home and really not socialize at all. But the kids, it's different. What's happening with our kids right now? What are we supposed to do as parents? Well, Melanie, I'm so glad you've got this topic on the show because we're entering the phase of winter break. And normally that's a fun, exciting time because everyone's taking a break from school and everyone's getting together with friends. So whether they're middle school kids, high school kids or college kids, they're getting together and hanging out and just enjoying some time off. But now we've got all sorts of restrictions at play because of the pandemic. And I think what we have to remember is that this group of children and teenagers have been staring at screens for the most part for the last three months. That has been their daily experience. And they're itching to get together, which is a normal part of adolescence. They love hanging out with their peers. But the last thing they want to do is add more screen time. And I, would, I wouldn't necessarily encourage that any more than they've already endured So then the question becomes, well, how can they get together safely? And I'm so glad we're going to take some time to talk about that because that socializing and the interacting not only with their peers, but also with their family members is going to be so important during this winter break. Well, I certainly agree. And I know that my kids have gotten together with one or two friends. I don't know if I'm going to hear from listeners, but masked. They did it in the backyard when it was, you know, in the summertime and now the weather's getting bad, but they've gotten together to study or to, you know, do some things like that. But it's been at a table across from each other and then we're all wearing masks around. So Dr. Steger, what's acceptable at this point? If if the kids say, and even the kids that come here say, I'm not seeing anybody else but Cece, or my parents don't go anywhere like you guys, or I'm not really seeing anybody but my boyfriend and he doesn't see anybody. How far are we supposed to trust all of this? I think an important place to start is knowing what the guidelines are from your state's public health department. So whether you're in California or Ohio or Vermont, there are different guidelines for different states. But essentially, because every state is seeing rising cases of COVID and extremely high levels of hospitalizations and the strain of the healthcare system, in general, getting together with people outside of your home is not encouraged at this time. So let's just talk about a few few ways that one might be able to see other people and how to be creative about it. If you're lucky to live in a warm weather state, 
than gathering outside in small groups with plenty of space around everyone, with everyone wearing masks, not sharing anything, is relatively safe. As long as you're not sharing anything, such as utensils, drinking, uh, sports equipment, uh, shaking hands or touching. That seems to be pretty safe. But we have probably half the United States where it's now cold weather, very tough to get together outside. And so what some people do are doing are creative things like creating fire pits in their backyard. Other people have purchased the heaters, you know, the propane heaters that you might sometimes see at restaurants to put out into their backyard or um, an enclosed-like space, not quite enclosed, but a space where they could gather. But there's no doubt that open air and fresh circulation is the safest places to be as long as everyone's wearing their mask and not getting close to each other. Not everybody has that opportunity. What some families have decided is to do something called sharing your bubble, where the family bubble, the nuclear family, will share their bubble with another family as long as they know that they're not going outside or interacting with others. And they just basically share those two families, or sometimes they go to three families, whether it's so the kids could hang out. But it's basically a closed loop without anybody going outside of that. I have seen very creative things that families have done to try to stay safe, including visiting uh, through um, using the telephone through windows, you know, standing up at the window and saying hello to grandparents and using the phone. I think creativity is the name of the game within the guidelines. Huh. So, okay. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm thinking that my kids have included these two friends that I'm talking about, my son with his girlfriend and my daughter with one friend of hers, in our bubble, as it were. And we've talked to their parents. So besides that, suppose they are meeting outside. Can they come in and use the bathroom? I mean, I think a lot of parents, Dr. Steger, have these questions of details. Like you mentioned, not using the same utensils. Well, so if you're going to order the kids a pizza, do we put them on separate plates and set them out there? Or, I mean, there's so many of these kinds of details that we don't know because this virus is still such a mystery and we're not sure if it sits on food and we're not sure, you know, that sort of thing. So, Tell us some of the details. Can the kids use a bathroom? What Should we spray everything down with Lysol when they leave? Some of the details are included in the guidelines from the state, and that includes anytime you enter your house from being outside, you wash your hands first thing, 20 seconds, soap and water. And that includes anybody who steps into your space. They should step in, wash their hands, 20 seconds. Regarding some more details, can they use your bathroom? Yes, it's safe for them to use your bathroom. Again, hand washing is important. Now, some people uh, would feel more comfortable with wiping down surfaces with special wipes, such as doorknobs, other types of knobs in the house, countertops, if there is um, more people from outside of their bubble. But if it's the same three, four, or five people in the bubble, that isn't necessary. It's just when your bubble gets broken by an outside person. If you're going to have an experience like buy a pizza, then everyone needs to understand that they eat on separate plates, obviously. Most families do paper plates with disposable utensils uh, so that everything can just go into the garbage. 
rather than having to wash anything or pass anything from hand to hand. Hand sanitizer anytime you're together is always a good idea. And again, hand washing and hand washing and mask wearing. That's really just all absolutely great advice. Now, what would you tell us if if we're starting to notice? What should we be noticing if our kids are really starting to get stir crazy? Or we're starting to notice maybe some red flags, things that we might want to consider calling our pediatrician about and saying, you know, this is happening right now. Can you give us some of those red flags, Dr. Steger? The red flags for teenagers can vary widely. Some teenagers, when they're anxious or depressed, can get very withdrawn. Others can get very irritable. Others can be angry or more demonstrative, more emotional, more difficult. So there's a wide range. So what I usually say to parents is, does this sound very different for your teenager? Do you think she or he is acting very differently? And most of the times, the parents are very good observers of their children and therefore can give you very good feedback about what's happening. Of course, we want to talk with the teenager and get their perspective as well. But I want to mention context is everything here. And I I just want to pause for a second. The context right now is that the youth are moving from school and or final exams in the month of December into winter break which may be two weeks long or three weeks long, with a question mark about what's going to happen in January. Not everybody knows if they're returning to school or not in January, if they're doing virtual or not. For some teenagers, that makes them feel anxious because they don't know what's going to happen. But I want to remind parents, which they probably know, but I just want to remind them that oftentimes with the transition from school to winter break, the teens are often mentally tired. They often sleep a bit more hang out a little more, kind of lounge around a little more. They're taking a brain break, right? They're they're letting that brain go to rest after possibly studying for exams or, like I said, staring at a screen for several months and just need some chill time. That's all acceptable. But the red flags come up when you might see uh, the teen not joining you for any meals, staying in their room all the time, perhaps staying up late at night with a very disordered sleep pattern, such as sleeping all day, something very much so outside of their normal pattern. That's when I would say time to talk with your teenager and then perhaps give your pediatrician a call. Well, that is excellent advice. And Dr. Steger, another thing that I'm noticing with my kids and their friends is this lack of physical activity and the junk food. Now, I won't let my kids do bed school, you know, and this week is finals and all of that. But they, if, if you let them, they certainly would sit in their beds and do their Zoom classes. But I know we have to get them up and they have to sit at a desk and do all of that. But the junk food that's going on, and I don't even keep junk food in the house, but oh boy, somebody dropped something off at the front door and the next thing you know, what do you want us to do about getting our kids to get something healthy going on, whether it's physical activity or junk food, this is not easy for parents right now. Right. And these are often struggles anyways, but now that everyone is home all the time, these struggles oftentimes seem greater. And this is really where it's about coordinating and negotiating with your teenager what winter break might look like, how that might look healthier or the healthiest that we could possibly be. So sharing the holidays together, what does that look like? How is it different this year? And have a table conversation. It may not be one night. It might be two nights or three nights of maybe 15 or 20 minutes each. But asking everyone, how might this be the best 
winter break that we could have given that we have so many limitations? How might we get some exercise? How might we stay healthy? And listen to all of their suggestions and allow everyone to contribute so that everyone's voice is being heard. Not everybody's going to like what other people say, and some things are for some people, but not others. We all know our children have very diverse and different interests, even within our own family. But I think this is where parents are role models. And I think if the parents have a regular routine of eating healthy, of exercising or getting fresh air or doing something fun or physically fun in the house, then encouraging the teenager, the middle school student or even the grade school student to, hey, come on, join me. Let's try it and try some creative things and games to um, engage them. And they can be part of that, too. You might even say it's Wednesday night of winter break. Tonight's your turn. What game are you going to pick? And really engage them in the process rather than the parents saying, this is what we're going to do today. And and I just want to reiterate that their engagement, their participation as far as planning it and picking the game is, is really important to its success. And if you have teenagers, planning and having one of them cook at least one night a week is also something that I am doing here in my own house. So parents listening, get your kids to help them. And little kids love this stuff. So Dr. Steger, before we wrap up, because I feel like our little kids are a little bit easier at this time. They're they're not as used to just going out. They don't have the independence. But I'd like you to speak to the littler ones and helping them cope with not going to school because it's pretty important to them for the socialization. And, you know, if they're eight, seven, eight, nine years old, that's what they are excited about. So wrap it up for us with your best advice about our littler guys, about getting our teens involved in anything we can do to get them out of their bedrooms, and the stress that we're feeling as parents with this all going on, how we can work together as a family unit to kind of relieve some of that stress. Oh, I'd be happy to, Melanie. Again, I think the parents set the tone here. So what the parents bring to the family, to the home, how they're managing it, how they express themselves. Do the parents step up and say, we've got this, we can do this? Or are, is one or both parents distressed? So I want to just reiterate for all parents that are listening, do a self-check. Do you feel that you're centered? Do you feel like you are confident about this winter break or are you starting to get a bit frazzled and undone? Take a deep breath and bring yourself back to center so that you can be fully present for your children no matter what their age is. Regarding the younger children, it is important to give a sense of a holiday season. I mean, they love this. They love the games, the gifts, the baking. And what a younger child might really enjoy is having some sort of calendar on the fridge about what day we're going to do what. They might need more visual cues. They might need... Um, virtual visits with their friends through FaceTime, for example, or they might need um, a sidewalk wave or a walk around the block where they drop cookies off at the door, where they get a sense of they're getting out and contributing. You know, they often the younger children have a very active sense of altruism, and you could play to that, especially during the holidays. And with the teenagers, I think it's important for them to at least get a sense of, yes, you can go out, um, but it needs to be safely. So a lot of a lot of cities are doing virtual um, light shows where the you know family can get in the car and drive through a light show or Christmas display while in the car uh, and not getting out of the car. And teenagers can do that too with their friends um, as long as they're with their bubble and wearing their masks and so forth. But 
there's got to be a sense of how are we going to make this this winter break special? And I think it starts with the family. I think it starts with, you know, having regular frequent check-ins around the table and saying, how does this week look? What are we going to do this week? And trying to get outside of, oh, poor pitiful us, but rather, who are we doing this for? Why are we doing this? Well, we're doing this to help others. And name them. Name those people in your family or in your neighborhood who you want to keep safe so that it becomes very tangible. So whether it's the grandparent in your family or the elderly woman down the street or the child with cancer that you know that goes to school and has a compromised immune system, name those people that you're working to keep safe. And I think it'll be much much more meaningful. Well, I couldn't agree more. And that's really such important advice. And parents, really share this show with your friends and family on your social channels because we are learning from the experts at the American Academy of Pediatrics together. They are the gold standard. They're the ones helping us to raise our children and raise them safely because that's what they do. God, we love our pediatricians. So share this show because this is great advice. We all need to hear it. We all need to know what to do with our kids as winter break starts and they want to start to see their friends. I'm going through it. I know that you are. So this is where you're going to get the highest quality information that you can trust as well. You can listen to this show on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere that podcasts are played. But we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. So for Healthy Children, the American Academy of Pediatrics and Radio MD, I'm Melanie Cole. Stay safe and stay well.